like a trusted turnout jacket you've had for years. Flex 7 outer shell fabric delivers a perfectly broken-in feel on the very first wear. Flexible, comfortable, and powered with the strength of Enforced technology, Flex 7 outer shell fabric is made to move. To learn more, visit tenkatafabrics.com slash flex7. Flex 7, powered by Enforced technology. Only from Tenkata Protective Fabrics. Welcome to 5 After Midnight. It's a new show where we talk about the things the way you would around a sleep-deprived kitchen table. When you've run five or more calls after midnight, your brain feels half gone, and you and your crew have absolutely no filter. Just pure honesty. The goal of this series is to kick around the small things that really aren't so small and have a big impact in the way our firehouses function. My name is Stephanie. I'm genuinely not an expert at anything. I'm just here to ask the sometimes awkward questions. Enjoy. Come too far, don't let this slip away. Fade out like they said we would. Good morning, everybody. This is the first show of the new year, and something I noticed that everybody was doing for the new year was kind of doing a a recap of last year, talking about their lives, their shows, what they had accomplished, where they wanted things to go, and I, I didn't, I didn't feel I wanted to do that. So what I thought I would do was instead go backwards and show you guys a lot farther back where it was that I came from. Uh, over the past year, I've talked about a, a symphony of different subject matters, but all have kind of had the same theme in mind, which has really been human behavior. And it's because um, I come from a lineage of, of talking about that stuff. So today's guest is uh, none other than the great Royce White, my dad, who happens to be a human behavior specialist. So if you're ever wondering where it was that I come up with all these genius ideas, it's uh, not my own wonderful ideas. It's because that's how I was raised. So without further ado, guys, my dad. Good morning. Good morning. Nice way to pass the buck. Oh, you like that? Yeah. Learned it from mom. Yeah. Got got me back for everything that uh, that's wrong with you for all of your life. Uh, pretty much. So not only did my dad successfully manage to be part of the dynamic duo that raised five children, four boys and one girl, but he also truly is a human behavior specialist, as I mentioned, who has gotten to travel the world and work with different organizations teaching leadership, which is a lot more dynamic, I think, than than how it's often presented. And dad, something that you and I talk about a lot is <laughs> self-leadership. How without that, I mean, you're not going anywhere. You're not leading anybody if you can't lead self. So let's just dive right into that. Let's go. Wow, that uh, that pretty much sums it up. Um, the bottom line is, as most people think of leading, they think of leading others. And even if you don't have someone to lead, um, you're not in a relationship, you don't have children, you're not working, maybe working for yourself, um, you still have to lead yourself. And unless you do lead yourself, then you're not leading. There's a great old, um, I think it was an Afghani proverb that said, um, if you think you're leading, but no one's following, then you're just simply taking a walk. <laughs> and the, the idea behind that is just that, again, many people think they know how to lead. And um, most of them are wrong. Um, some of them get it right simply because they're kind to people. Um, maybe they've watched a lot of what's going on around them. And they said, I don't want to be like that. I've learned actually more in one sense from leadership by being in companies where the leaders are poor leaders. And in my early days, even myself being a poor leader and learning from that, um, just last night, I don't know if I was thinking about this today or whatever, I was just thinking um, of the time uh, that I was leading um, one of the companies that I started. And I was uh, just, I didn't know what I was doing. I was I, I made it work because uh, those with high dominance will usually 
do anything they can to accomplish what it is that they want to accomplish. And therefore, uh, I, I made a lot of things happen. Unfortunately, um, I hurt a lot of people, or at least a few anyway, along the way. So leading ourselves is crucial. And, and in leadership and personal growth, one of the greatest things that you begin with is character. And without character, without integrity, then you can learn all the aspects of leadership. Um, but somewhere along the line, you're going to fail. So you're absolutely right. It starts with leading oneself. And then from there, we will lead um, our peers. We'll lead those underneath us uh, in, in the organization. And if we really learn to be a level five leader, we'll lead those that are over us. It doesn't mean to tell them what to do. It means that you learn how to work with them in such a way uh, as they they trust you. They're confident in what you say, and you therefore you can you can give them your input. And if they don't know how to lead, hopefully they'll take it uh, and run with it because they do trust you. Anyway, that's a snapshot. I like how you told me I was right as I regurgitated something you had taught me. That's that's nice. It's smooth. I, I, I see what you did there. Um, one of the things that you have always really placed an emphasis on us kids that you really drove home. Um, I think the first time you guys had me take or sit down with somebody to do a personality assessment, I think I was 16 years old, sat down with, can't remember his name, and he did the entire testing on me to just tell me my strengths and my weaknesses, what I needed to work on, and what my, my motivating factors in life were. And that's something that I think most people don't get that gift at a young age. I was very lucky to have that. What the, the, the journey of self-leadership, you have to know yourself. You have to know your strengths, your weaknesses. Where can people start? Like what... What would be three things you would tell people to discover about themselves, whether it be what motivates you or what your biggest holdup is, something in that that family category? Where do people start? And start small, because if you jump into something with both feet and pick every category, you're going to immediately drown. What's digestible that people can start when they want to start self-leadership and, and move outwards? Three things, three personality things that they need to learn about themselves. Well, the first thing to do is to, is simple. It takes about 15 minutes. Um, and that is to take a specific uh, personality assessment. And we don't call them tests because you can't fail this. It's an assessment. It's going to assess where you are. You can't. I'm, I'm pretty sure I could, I could fail a personality test. <laughs> I've met me. In, in essence, it's like you, knowing when you tell someone, you just walk up to someone on the street and you say, hey, how do I get there? And they go, wait, wait a minute, what, what, how do you get where? Okay. The first thing you have to know is, is where you are. And that's usually pretty easy, but not always. So the first thing is, is figuring out our, where you're starting from and being brutally honest with yourself. Unfortunately, a lot of times... And in the fire service as well, the, the, the personality that it draws into itself um, are types that don't look back much. They just look forward. And it's important to be able to look back. So the first thing is understanding where you are. Um, and, and I would start with a personal assessment. We use almost exclusively uh, the DISC, D-I-S-C, model of human behavior. And the reason we use it is because it's so simple and so easy. Now, that doesn't mean that the science behind it isn't good. Um, there's, there's a lot of different tests uh, out there, Myers-Briggs. You've, 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 you've you know, seen a lot of strength finders, uh, smallies, animals. You know, there's a lot of different ones. And there's, there's probably... 50 by now. A lot of those actually are the same thing, changed a little bit on the outside so that they don't have to pay somebody to use it. They can use it themselves um, as a company to, to sell it. But in any event, the idea is that you want to find out as much as you can about yourself. And the great thing about the DISC model of human behavior 
over the other models are that it, it not only tells you about yourself, but it, it works in relationships. It tells you how it works. You work with others in relationships. Uh, and it's it's not as, as difficult as some of these others, and uh, nor does it take as long, usually 10 to 20 minutes at max. Uh, and the reason it, there's a variance is because of the different personality types. Some types will smoke right through it, and others will have to be very cautious and careful and think about it. So that's the first thing. Um, and then the second thing is understanding that. It's not hard to understand, but we have to take the time to understand. A lot of times we, we know a bunch of stuff, but we, we really sit and meditate on that and ask ourselves questions. Uh, good leaders ask great questions. Ask ourselves questions about what does that mean for me? What does that look like? Or even ask those around us the same questions. The idea is we need to find out where we are, who we are, as much as we can as possible. And the great thing about the the, the assessment is it does, it'll show you what fuels you. Literally what, that if you don't get on a daily basis, you seem drained, you seem um, just kind of bleh. And doesn't matter what it is, what personality, if you're not getting that particular fuel, and there's a fuel for each uh, personalities, then you're just stressed out. And the more you don't get that, the more you're stressed out and the more difficult it is for you to function. Hmm. Um, in the DISC model, uh, D dominant, I inspiring, uh, S supportive, and C conscientious, there's, there's four basic personalities. And after those first person, those four personalities, they're secondaries too, that have a lot to do with who you are as well. And the great thing about uh, what we can do is after looking at an assessment, um, and usually uh, with all of these, there's a report that comes with that, that gives you some ideas, but people don't take the time to really sit down and, and, and look at it. And a lot of them, depending on the personality, don't do it because they think it's mumbo jumbo. They think it doesn't mean anything. Um, or they're too busy to really get into it. 99% of what happens to us is based on our personality. I mean, that's just about everything. And we like to think that we're the ones coming up with everything we're thinking, but how we basically have been formed, how we have, um, how we react to things are how we've been built, both how we're, you know, formed in a womb, so to speak, and, and our education, um, where we went to school, uh, our birth order. There's just, there's about 15 different things that determine what our personality are. And we will stick very closely. It's our likes and dislikes. It's whether you um, vote Republican or Democrat or independent or not at all. Uh, it's just about everything. It drives you. It's who you are. Um, and that's not a bad thing. It's not like, oh, gosh, I'm totally controlled. But it's it's who you've become over your life. It's who your preferences, the different things that have, uh, have been important to you over your life that have formed where you are. So uh, the first thing, again, being an assessment. Uh, the second thing being study in terms of understanding leadership. Again, people don't understand themselves well. They don't understand leadership. Um, so, therefore, they don't understand the simple principles to put into place in order to be able to lead themselves and then lead others. Um, so, they're, they're, they're struggling throughout their lives because it's just kind of, okay, we're just going to go to tomorrow. We're just going to get it to the next thing. And they're not taking into consideration the reasons why. We're not asking ourselves why enough. And thirdly, uh, it's to have positive accountability in our lives, other people around us that we appreciate, that we care about, that we believe are wise, that we can go to and ask them questions and get answers, and that um, can be there when we do stupid, that they can come alongside of us and instead of just saying, hey, that was pretty stupid, and you're ugly too, and your mother dresses you funny. She did they dress can me say, funny, by the way. Um, well, anyway. Um <laughs> So the uh, the whole point behind that is that there's someone there that can give you 
uh, input. And hopefully there's several people in different areas. So the, I would I would say those are, are the three top things that uh, that I would do. I know that which is 99% of me. Uh, that'll pretty much tell you who you are. Um, and that's just you know really a really good thing. I'd study leadership. What does it mean? What does it mean to have character and integrity? What does it mean um, to uh, be a permission leader? What does it mean to be a productive leader? What does it mean to be um, a, a pinnacle leader? Um, and what are the the different characteristics behind that so that you can put those things in place and not, again, do stupid or not do the wrong thing as you're trying to build your career, your life, et cetera. You talk about positive accountability, which is a fancy smancy term for, for a mentor, right? It's it's mentorship. And it's so amazing to see the different pockets of growth in my life when I have had a mentor and when I haven't had a mentor. And the, the changes in my life from 2019 to you know, 2021, when I had a very, very consistent, really wise mentor was just this explosion of personal growth, because I had someone who was, he would always start with the positive of Steph, this idea is great. And then the challenge came after. But hey, did we think about this? Or what's your motivation behind it? Is it necessarily the best motivation or is it an angry motivation? And it's just, it was such a game changer in my life. There is a author out there. He's a former FBI hostage negotiator named Chris Voss. And something he talks about that's an amazing tactic is basically parroting. There's a different term for it, but you say something and I repeat that as a question. So then it makes you keep talking and eventually you bring yourself to to the conclusion or you talk yourself out of something or whatever it is you get person a gets their preferred end result by just letting person b talk it out and the first time i heard that concept i I had to laugh because that is what every good leader i have ever met has done it's they've quietly listened and empowered their people to get to the end result and the positive conclusion on their own. And I think that is something that you don't see enough in type A personality roles, fire service, military, police, whatever it is. We like to have this more aggressive version of leadership, but that quiet, supportive, I'm going to let you say things out loud until you eventually slow roll into what the correct thing is to do model is the is there a name for that is that a thing is this just something i'm randomly observing because that 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 has created the most powerful moments in my life is when i've had those leaders who have just said you know a series of questions and and really let me lead myself to the water to drink what's that yeah it's a type of mirroring and what you do in mirroring is you're you're setting up, um, the, you're sitting the way they're sitting. You're speaking softly if they're speaking softly. You you acting the way they're acting. So you're building up rapport instantaneously, so that that can take them into the learning part of what you're going to do in terms of of teaching. Again, as I said earlier, uh, and it is a great book by John Maxwell, uh, and that is. Uh, Good leaders ask great questions. Um, I don't have to know anything about anybody, about anything, actually, other than asking great questions. And I can help you make the right decision simply by asking those questions. Um, and those questions, um, they get down to the why of it. And they, they help you learn to make decisions. When I coach people, the, the maximum I coach them is... Uh, for about nine months. And the reason is, is I, if I haven't taught them how to coach themselves by then, either they're not going to learn or I'm not doing a good job. So the, the key is to, to help people understand by mirroring, by getting involved in it and, and slowly teaching them how to ask the right questions 
and how to sit and really think and spend the time. Um, and it starts with me asking the right questions. And I love it because every now and then um, in, a, in a coaching session, someone will say, and, and I live for this, and all coaches do, they'll, they'll hear someone say, oh, that's a great question. And you've started to really get into the, their level and what they're thinking, what they're feeling when you hear that. And the idea is um, a lot of times people will say, look, I don't know the answer to that. And one of the coaching questions that we ask is, well, if you did know the answer, what would it be? <laughs> it sounds silly in one sense, but I'd say 90% of the time at that point, the person will answer the question the way that uh, they needed to. Is it, that so, we, is it that we don't know the answer to the question or that we think we don't know the answer that you want to hear and we don't want to look like an idiot? Well, it's like when you ask someone a question, they go, what was that? And then before you have a chance to repeat it, they go, they start answering it. Um, their mind was taking a moment to reconnect. It's called ADHD. From what, <laughs> and no, because it happens with your mom too. And, huh. and she's not that way. Um, but the idea behind that is that uh, we're, we're learning, we're hearing, and then we're, we're, we're taking a moment because we don't have an answer for something. The tougher things we don't have an answer for right away. And it takes a moment to think about it. And you're creating that space for people to think about it. And once they start thinking about it, you know, they usually have an answer. It's it's 85% of the time. It's it's huge. And it's it's being held accountable to the answer, um, to, to either rather looking for the answer, not having it, but looking for it. And... There are different types of questions we'll ask to help them go deeper, to help them search for that answer. I don't want to give someone an answer. I mean, I can consult. Sure. I can go in and I can consult and say, hey, this is the case. This is what needs to be done, et cetera, et cetera, uh, based on 45 years of um, organizational business experience. But that's not what I want. I want. I don't want to give a man a fish so he eats for a day. I want to teach him to fish so that. He'll feed himself and his family and friends and everybody else for a lifetime. And that's that's the idea behind it. I want people to take that time. And that's what they do. They go from, wow, I knew nothing about this, about life, about this element, about whatever it happens to be. And now I know how to figure it out. And not only about what they want to do, but uh, or what their specific answer is, but they know how to apply that then to their entire life. Okay, how about, how do I do this in looking for a spouse? How do I do this in raising my kids? How do I do this in talking to the boss? How do I do this in training a probie? How do I do this in whatever it happens to be? And so it's, it's, it's absolutely crucial to build that rapport and then take it all the way to the end in helping people learn to become a lot more than they are. You've said the word, why? In terms of asking why, probably about, I'm counting, but between five to ten times during this conversation. And that sticks out to me because so many people are very begrudging about the concept of, of people asking why. They take it as an affront. And I recently heard something that, that really clicked into place for me. And it was the word why is so negative to us because when we're little kids and we mess up and we spill something why on the carpet. Why did you do that? And so it sits with us as a very negative thing from childhood. We feel attacked when we hear the word why. So I think a lot of people miss out on the opportunity for growth because either they're afraid to ask why or when they do ask it, they get snapped at by people who then feel attacked. If we can't ask the word why, how do we get around that? How can we still grow? I yeah, mean, that's, it's, that's it's, kind of a tough one because you're you're gonna come across people in the fire service, and you can't ask them why, and they're the people that you're supposed to be able to ask why. It's actually quite easy. Um, it's like peeling an onion, and um, you have to actually ask why at least three times before you get to what the real answer is. Um, but the, the key to this is to ask different questions. Um, they could be the same 
outcome as why, but not using the word why. Use how, when, where, what, if you will, um, to ask the same question. Why did you do that? Well, instead of why did you do that, it's, um, you can't even go to, what were you thinking when you did that? Because it's the same kind of a, but it is a change. Yeah, it it is a, um, you know, but you could, you can break that down even further. What was, what was going on in your life at that moment when you decided to do that? So then you're, you're making it a little easier. You're not attacking them. Um, you can empathize and again, continuing to build that rapport with them. Hey, um, wow, that's, that's hard. Uh, what was going on right then? Why, why do you feel, and you could use the word why at that point, uh, why do you feel that that was the case? And again, the key with working with people is to, um, make it safe to talk. They have to be able to feel like you're not going to, you're not going to beat them up. And, and I love working with people in that fashion because uh, I create a lot of safety to begin with. Uh, and I'm not talking safe spaces and that kind of thing. This is just a, a totally uh, different concept that where you make the conversation safe. And if it's not safe, you step out of the conversation and talk about some other things before stepping back into the conversation. But the idea is, is you have to create an area of space where, where the people can be honest that they can bring forth, uh, you know, the issues, the problems, whatever it happens to be. Uh, so it, it's it's absolutely crucial um, to make it that way. You bring up a really, really good point accidentally. Um, uh, safety. I'm trying try not to use the word safe spaces, but so comfort. Having the comfort level, feeling like you're in a space where you're not going to get mocked, where you can say something and get, genuine interaction out of it and actual answers and stuff like that without getting your words thrown in your face or any of that. That's, that's the safety that you're talking about. Um, that's something that's so difficult in the fire service because we have this regimented way uh, that I think most of us, of us were taught to do things, which is you, you come down really hard on somebody because you want them to know I mean, listen, we're dealing with, with lives. We're dealing with unstable situations. So I need to know that you can handle the pressure. So I'm going to nail this point home by humiliating you and making sure that you never, ever forget it. And that's the negative feedback loop that so many of us have been taught in and raised in. And now I'm finding myself fighting with that as as, as my teaching method with the younger generation is, is this was sloppy, that was sloppy. I really got to nail your feet to the floor to make sure that you never make those mistakes again. But there's such a different way to do that that can still stick in the mind. We do not have to yell at somebody. We do not have to humiliate somebody to have that lesson stick around. And that's something that the fire service in general, but especially those of us of a certain age, I'm almost 40, I'll admit it, struggle with. How do we get around that? I mean, I know you just talked about it. We have to create that atmosphere of comfort. I'm going to use that word instead of safe. But what can you do to start changing that if that's that's not how you were quintessentially raised in the fire service? How do how do I overcome that? Let's let's well, put it I, that I way. I think I think the first the first aspect of it is is like in any you know, whether you're in the military or fire, police, whatever happens to be, a lot of the reason that we we scream, if you will, is that so when there is um, a fire raging around you, when um, there is enemy fire coming, that there will be yelling and screaming and carrying on. Um, it's just a natural function uh, when you're you know, a, a lot, a lot of the people, not so much in the military, but a lot of the people um, in fire and uh, first responders and, and police and are um, more of a, an outgoing high dominant personality. And it's a natural function for them to do it. So um, I know, and even in your personality, um, attributes uh, you're a conscientious dominant no you're a dominant conscientious don't, don't be giving away my secrets i'm sorry okay let's just uh, 
And, and as a result of that, I, I know that it'll be harder for you um, than it would for mom, your mom, if you will, um, to do certain types of things. But but the idea behind it is just that it's it's there so that when the stuff hits the fan and people are yelling and screaming, to, it, it, no other reason just to get over the noise of the firefight of or the fire or whatever it happens to be, um, it's usually because, you know, all hell's broken loose and they're trying to, you know, get it across. Um, they're not screaming necessarily um, the rest of the time. Uh, it's a personality trait. It really is. Uh, you won't find typically your, your, your conscientious type personalities um, screaming, your supportive types. You typically won't find them in fire service and the police either. Um, you'll find conscientious types, but you won't find the, the more supportive, which is which are reserved and people oriented. So they're they're more they're more quiet, a little more quiet anyway, uh, but they're a little more reserved um, and people oriented versus being task oriented. You're doubly task oriented, uh, just as probably many other are in the fire service. Probably, probably triply task oriented. Is that a thing? Uh, never heard it, but you know, I'll give it to you. We can so, make up our wrong words here. It's it, it, it seem it'll seem that way certainly because it's like that's all I, I feel like I have to accomplish, and that is what a dominant has to do. That's their fuel, as I talked about earlier. Um, is if they don't get if they don't accomplish daily, they struggle. They have to go find something to accomplish, and if it's not within their job, then they'll do it in something else. But they just, they really, they have to uh, own it. They have to control it, be in charge of it, run it. That's just, that's just who they are. They have to really, really, you know, be involved in that fashion. Um, but I, th I think the idea, so, so in terms of, of, of screaming or yelling, or et cetera, at the situation, when you're in the situation, I'm not so sure that's, that's a bad thing per se. No, it's, it's more I, of. But I think in, in the training end or yeah, in the, the, the non, when, when you're not at an incident, um, we, we basically carry it over. Um, it's, it's, a, it's not a good leadership practice. Um, everybody that has that personality sort of accepts it. Uh, okay, I get it. You know, whatever. The conscientious types, they're task-oriented and reserved. A lot of times they'll be your technicians. Um, they're your really... Uh, really smart people, your medics, um, you know, they've, they've just, they're, they're, they can focus incredibly. That's who they are. Um, not that the other people aren't smart as well. The uh, outgoing types and task oriented types, uh, it's just that they have a different fuel that fires them. So the, the idea behind it is that um, we want to learn to be conscientious toward people, to be kind toward people. Uh, we don't have to um, be gregarious and, and uh, mean or, or cruel or anything else um, outside of the incident, outside of the, of, of the fire. We can do it um, the rest of the time. And that's what real leadership is about. Again, that's the character. That's the integrity um, that leadership calls for. The empathy. The empathy. Um, and as high dominants typically have very little empathy, they have very little self-awareness. Um, so they're not, they don't understand the hurt that they're doing around them. And uh, it's, a, it's a big struggle for them a lot of times. Um, depends on exactly how their personality uh, maps out. But in general, once you learn who you are, as we talked about to begin with, then you can see, okay, here are my strengths, here are my weaknesses from a personality perspective. Here are the things that I need to, to, to work on to try to subdue. Here are the things that I need to strengthen and lift up. Uh, and here are the things I can stay away from um, in totality. So um, it, it's really important to know who you are and why you do what you do. It's, it just doesn't happen. That's just the way I am. No, it's not just the way you are. It is the way you are. How did you get there? And what can you do about it? Um, it's not a truth, a fact that there's nothing we can do about it. So, yes, it's true, but there are a lot of things we can do. And from a leadership perspective, you're going to like yourself better, first of all, if you're not constantly going, I can't believe I, I beat him up like that. 
Um, and we're constantly having to say we're sorry or feeling foolish or whatever. It's, um, so it's, it's very important from us from that perspective. Another big conversation in the fire service is Gen Z, the next, the newest, the youngest members to come into the fire service are so different from the, the two older generations and the things that motivate them, their needs, all of these things. Uh, I mean, they bring with them the terms safe spaces and things like that, which, you know, for us yelling type people is, is a little bit of an alarming affront. And it's just, you look at these kids sometimes and how, how do I speak their language? What do I do with them? How do I motivate them? There's just a different set of guiding principles. And I don't mean that in a negative way. They've been through very, very different life experiences than, than uh, people my age have been definitely people older than me. What are we seeing with this new young generation? What motivates them and how to, I hate to say inspire, but there are some traits that, that their generation might not necessarily have that you're going to have to have in the, in the fire service. And it's not a toughen up buttercup. You got to learn to be tougher kind of thing, but you, you do have to learn to be a little bit more regimented in certain areas than maybe this generation has been. What have you seen dealing with the newer generation and how to guide them towards that change when they maybe need to learn some new personality traits? Yeah, it's, um, it's an intergenerational concept and it's, it's not the, the specific aspect Maybe new, but the the general aspect isn't new. Um, they are very different, and certainly in the past, um, these different personalities coming in. Um, how do we treat them? How do we treat them differently? Well, we, we get away with it, if you will, in the in the fire service, uh, in in police, by um, treating the probies as uh, more of. Um, you know, that incident, um, loud, obnoxious, you know, whatever it is that you want. And um, that in general, I think, is, as I mentioned before, is not the way to, to live our lives outside of an incident. Um, the, the key for us is um, it, five levels of leadership, I think, define it well. First level of a leader is a positional leader. Okay, someone gave him that position. Hey, you look pretty good at this. You're learning it, et cetera. Hey, we're going to make you um, whatever. We're going to make you a, um, a lieutenant. All right. So now you've got this position that you've been given. And from That's the only level of leadership that someone gives you. The rest you have to earn. Um, and so what happens is the second level of leader, leadership is the second level of leadership is uh, permission leadership, where we literally need to get people's permission to lead them. And you may think, oh, well, that's not true. You know, they just got to do what I say. Well, yes and no. They may do what you say, but they're not following you. Um, and I don't know how long they'll last necessarily. Ah, well, maybe they shouldn't last. Well, not necessarily. Sometimes it's just a matter of they need to get enough experience, enough time um, in learning the craft in order to be what you want them to be. So the, the key for us is, is that we have to really uh, understand who they are. We have to get the permission. It's not, that's not as much of a, a weird saying if you look at it this way. Um, we treat people well. And we're kind to people. We love people. And by doing that, they're willing to give us the permission to lead them. And it happens in general from um, actually people who do their jobs really well and are kind to you. You'll want to follow them much more so than someone yelling at you and calling you names uh, that you want to follow them. And those people will actually won't go out 
for you as much as someone who you've built rapport with, who, who you've built relationship with that cares about you more. Uh, they'll want to die for you more. And it's better to have someone want to die for you instead of wanting to die for the position. Mm. So you're, you're building much better um, team by loving people in that fashion. You don't have to beat people up in order to get them to follow you. As a matter of fact, you cannot um, have people follow you as well as if you treat them kindly, if you work with them, if you, um, if you get that permission to lead them by building that relationship, by taking them out to lunch, by knowing their families, um, by knowing their needs. These are all things that happen anyway. Uh, you eventually get there because, you know, you've spent so much time with them. You've lived together, in essence, over um, years. And it, it comes. But if you make it happen, you can make it happen much sooner. Hey, I know your family. I know the struggles you're having. I know the problem your your, your son has right now. Your wife's, you know, got this, this cancer. You, you, you know all those things because you care and you're working it out with them um, and you're learning about them so you know how they feel by knowing their personality. If I know your personality, I, I treat I treat you differently. Um, I should say I, I I speak to you differently. You don't treat you necessarily differently from that perspective. But I, I learn to speak your language. In every situation, in every organization, you will help people grow faster, learn faster when you speak according to the way they hear versus ask them to step up to uh, listen the way you speak. Um, and we can be pretty pompous and, and put it that um, you know, way. Hey, they just got to learn how I speak. I, I'm one person, there are many. They all got to change. I have heard that so many times. It, it doesn't need to be that way. It's a matter of this simply. This is just the way I am. Yeah. It, and, it's, and it's wrong. It's like, okay, that's the way you are. And here's the way I am. Well, I'm. I'm I'm their boss. Okay, so you're their boss and you're doing it. You're doing wrong. You're doing stupid. You're doing that which doesn't as work as well as something else. And because you're the the higher up, you're the leader, etc. That means you need you need to put the the effort in to learn these things, how to speak their language. Because when I take someone and I learn to speak their language, how they think. Okay, and the fuels come in different ways, different fueling for different personalities. I can get them to understand three to ten times faster and deeper when I speak their language, which all I'm doing is, is I'm saying what I want to say a little more oriented to what I know fuels them and how they hear. Okay, because I took the time to learn that aspect of personality, of human behavior. So, too many times people say, you know, gosh, I don't have a clue what he's talking about. No matter what it is, it's just they don't, they don't quite get it because it's not, it's not their language. We're not speaking their language. And once we learn to speak people's language, uh, the faster we can get them to understand, to give them the right examples in their personality that helps them to go there quickly. So... In in your case, not you personally, but in the case of the fire service, it means probably saving lives faster. Uh, it means accomplishing what we're trying to accomplish faster, uh, faster, deeper, more, if you will. So um, absolutely a crucial element. Uh, leadership, unfortunately, leadership hasn't necessarily changed. It's always been this is the right way to do it. We've just never done it. <laughs> um, maybe it was World War II. Maybe it was the earlier um, periods of life or, or whatever, where basically it's just uh, a harshness. Um, interestingly enough, only 10% of the population uh, are, are dominant personalities. Most of those um, are uh, rise to leadership, though, unfortunately, because they do. They want to lead. They want to control. They want to run it. They want to be in charge of it. And 10% of the population ends up being in 55 plus percent of leadership. So they've got control over all this. Uh, the three P's I call it uh, police, politicians, and pastors. Uh, a lot of times they're your um, areas where at least half of the um, leadership uh, and a lot more in some of these different ones are uh, high dominant personalities and with no self-awareness, with 
um, no empathy with uh, the ability to, uh, you know, crack on people, but not the ability to uh, be empathetic and get permission leader. Most of, of uh, level three leadership, which is production, they get good. Everybody gets good. Um, they're working hard. They're at the academy. They're out there in the field. They're learning. Not everybody's the best. Not everybody's, uh, you know, a Stephanie. But um, they're they're <laughs> well, they're well, well played. But your birthday's still eight months away. Okay. So the idea behind it is is that they are learning and they will learn. But the more we can help them uh, to get there faster, um, is great. And so 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 by us being production leaders in this level three leadership. Uh, people are gaining a respect for us. Wow, they're really good at that. Uh, you know, I want to follow them because that's what they do. Um, and so. Hmm. Thank you so much for sitting down and having this conversation with me. I know uh, I can never, it's it's weird. I'm the child and I can never even get a hold of my own parents. So the fact that uh, you guys are busier than me and you took the time to have this conversation is absolutely awesome. Thank you. And also... I was a perfect child, so I know there are no embarrassing stories of me. But if there were, thank you for not sharing any any of those. Appreciate that. Well, there was that one about. <laughs> well, we're, anyway, we're gonna hit the stop button right there. But um, just to wrap it up, pick one book. Well, pick two books. If you would say, listen, if you're either a leader or you're somebody who's starting on the journey to leadership, or you're somebody who just wants to learn to to self-lead better, give me two books. I'm going to give you three. That wasn't homework um, assignment. Okay, I'll give you two. The first one uh, is going to be Crucial Conversations uh, by Joseph Grenny. Um, it's like green, but in it's G-R-N-N-Y. I'm sorry, G-R-E-N-N-Y, Grenny, Joseph Grenny. Um, Cruise Conversations, great book, uh, probably the top book in the world uh, in learning how to communicate. Uh, you'll hear about um, keeping things safe and, and from that book, um, as well as just some great principles, builds a lot of uh, good things to help uh, people understand how to, to, um, to speak. Um, and the second book is 360 Degree Leadership by John Maxwell. And that will teach you how to um, lead to your peers, lead underneath, um, lead pretty much with, with um, uh, every aspect um, in life. It's not an in-depth, but it gives a lot of great um, pieces of understanding, if you will, um, so that you can, you can begin your leadership journey. Uh, leadership is a process. It's not something that's going to happen overnight. Good leadership anyway. We're all leaders. We're either good leaders or bad leaders. Um, there's sort of no in-between in this. But the key is to learn what it really takes to lead um, and plan it out, map it out, and learn how to get there. And I was kidding. You can, you can share the third book. No, those are the, the two of the three that I recommend um, uh, to everyone, basically, because it gives you things... Uh, that you don't already know. Third thing is to, if you will, is to take a disc assessment and um, read the report and then read it once a year. As a matter of fact, read those books once a year so that you're really learning. Um, if you did nothing but understood yourself and helped learn how to communicate better and work a little in leadership by reading those books once a year, um, you'll find yourself growing faster than just about anything else. Mm. So basically, I think what I heard you say is <laughs> leadership just isn't a born personality trait. We build it. We do the homework. We we create it. We can't just rely on, you know, wonderful, amazing genetics like I have. It's it's something we have to actually work at to create and sustain because we all get lazy as humans and we can start to slide backwards in our principles if we're not constantly working at it. That's correct. And I'll go one step further. One upper. And so, no, no, it's a, not a, it's a downer, actually. And that is that it's just the opposite. Those that think they're good leaders typically aren't. Um, it's not a matter of 
You know, it seems like you're born those outgoing high dominant personalities because they 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 make noise quickly uh, appear to be um, the best leaders. But interestingly enough, the best true leaders um, are doubly reserved. They're um, humble and they're resolved. They stay on target. Uh, they're just the opposite of typically um, probably the 85% of folks out there that are in leadership. Um, so it, it's almost one of those things where you need you need the the high outgoing personalities to run and do the crazy things and to start uh, businesses and things. And then you need, after they've got it going, uh, you need the, the um, more reserved people to lead um, within that. So that just means for us that are high dominant outgoing personalities that we need to, uh, to learn to empathize, that we need to learn how to do the things to be resolved and yet humble. Crucial for, for everybody that's in the fire service that's in leadership is to be humble um, and any leader actually, but specifically where you're coming from. Um, that's, that's what people follow. People that are underneath, that are working for us, just want us to be candid and honest with them um, and have humility that they might see uh, that what it really takes to do this is, is a lot of effort. And so that's, that's what I would recommend. We're going to end it there. Just perfect finish. Thank you so much for coming on the show today, Dad. You are welcome. Like a trusted turnout jacket you've had for years, Flex 7 Outer Shell Fabric delivers a perfectly broken-in feel on the very first wear. Flexible, comfortable, and powered with the strength of enforced technology, Flex 7 Outer Shell Fabric is made to move. To learn more, visit tenkatafabrics.com slash Flex 7. Flex 7, powered by enforced technology. Only from Tenkata Protective Fabrics.